And today's podcast is brought to you by Go Fuck Yourself. <laughs> I stopped caring. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step away from program. We're not sponsored. We give shout outs to people. <laughs> shout outs to Everproven CrossFit, where Derek and I started this lovely, uh, lovely relationship. And we're furthering this relationship into uh, Port City BJJ. As well as our caffeine addiction from Adele's in Dover. Nice. Anywhere else you want to mention that we're one of our favorite places to go to? Uh, I don't know. I don't do much besides CrossFit, Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. and drink coffee, to be honest with you. I'm going to go with uh, a little bit of shame, slight regret, but a wonderful time at Beeler's Donuts <laughs> in Philadelphia. <laughs> I think the point of this is, uh, hey, if you wanna if you wanna sell your wares, if you want to uh, get a plug in, if you want to uh, hear your hear yourself talked about in the podcast, um, and uh, have us have us try your stuff and and, and endorse it, uh, please hit us up um, on social media. Derek's good better like the. So to Sharp Iron Society on Facebook, uh, sharpironsociety.com on the internet, uh, and sharp underscore iron underscore SOC on Twitter and Instagram, bitches. Yeah. And <clears throat> send us a message. Um, this goes for anybody who wants to be on the podcast and talk about whatever is going on in your existence on this planet as well. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're interesting. Well, I know I want everyone to contact us and I'll decide who's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But if you want to do that and be on the podcast, talk about whatever or uh, sponsor our podcast and have people find out about your products and potentially buy and procure procure your your products. Yes. Hit us up. (laughs) Bitches. Here's the podcast. And we're back. Podcast number 15. (laughs) Back from Philadelphia, 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 the city of brotherly love. <laughs> that there is no love. <laughs> there was a lot of love. We went to the section where there's a lot of love. Um. Yeah. The whole love park thing was really depressing, to be honest with you. <laughs> the fact that they moved that fucking sign and then tore all of that shit down. I was really looking forward to seeing that. And on the way back, like, we're walking by the love sign, and uh, there was, like, a protest for Mumia Abu-Jamal. I think I think that's his name. Uh, free <laughs> Mumia. Like, they, they've been trying I, to free that guy for a long time. I, I have... I, <laughs> I, ha- I had no idea what that was. Like, they were talking... What were they talking about? Like, hepatitis C or something like that. Yeah, it, it like, developed into something totally different. Like, uh, I... I mean, I, I could be completely wrong about this, but I think there was uh, it was something to do with like uh, he was r- uh, arrested and accused of murder when um, there's all these facts that are basically saying like 
he did not commit the murder. Um, and people have been protesting it for, I mean, decades. I remember it was like Free Mumia was, uh, was something that was happening in like 99 when it was like part of the, I mean, like the punk rock movement um, embraced it a lot a long time ago. And it's still, a, it's still relevant. And there was this whole protest of like yelling, spouting off stuff about this and that and hepatitis C and where we're like confused here. What's, what's this protest really about? I didn't, I, I have, I have no idea about this Momia. What was his name? Uh, Mumia Abu Jamal, I believe, believe is no, his name. I don't think I've even ever heard of that before. And then, but the whole hepatitis, I was like, it took me a minute. I, like, I had to sit there and watch it a little bit and be like, this is a weird. Yeah. And then, yep, a Mumia. Uh, and then. <laughs> oh, okay. So let's and then not, we got completely distracted by but, the dude looking like Michael Jackson hanging out in the corner. Let's not, um. Let's forget that before we came up to the protest, we saw all the cops that were at the protest speed by like there was like a mass murder. <laughs> and I think on the I think it's funny on the the side of cop cars in Philadelphia it says strike force. <laughs> like it's just it's funny the um like when you grow up in or spend a lot of your time in New Hampshire, you get kind of sterilized to Stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like that actual real crime happens on a regular basis in a city like that. You know what I mean? That's like one thing that was like, I mean, like, we, like we get these. We we we're like sanitized. We're, we're, well, yeah, we're sanitized. I and mean, Christ, like, right? like somebody steals somebody's cat and it makes the news around here, right? Or like a fucking <laughs> rabid a rabid coyote fucking attacked a couple dogs in someone's backyard and like that. Right on News Nine, right? No one. Jimmy stole Ted's cat, right? <laughs> yeah, it it was. I mean, I <laughs> I don't want to like. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's it was um well and then we talked to like I don't even know I don't want I mean I guess we got to talk about the whole experience yeah. of going to Philadelphia but it was very um like I was surprised at how much out of my comfort zone I got just being there and like not it was almost unexpected you know what I mean Are you talking about the poor sections Oh yeah, or just being in I mean oh we kind of talked about this when we were down there too is like um, I think Philadelphia is one, like, it's, it's a weird city. Yeah. It's definitely a weird city because, um, I think, I think what you're getting at is like, for reference sake, it's like, we were like the downtown area, lots of touristy bullshit happening, museums and old, old buildings and all that stuff. And we had to get out to Jared's, uh, Jared's place. And it was like, we drove out of the inner city, nice historical and then all of a sudden, it's like Temple University, lots of college students, a little bit further, and it's like kind of like the um, the the things kind of change a little bit. There's some nicer shopping centers, and all of a sudden, it's like ghetto. And then all of a sudden, it turns back into like this medical area where there's hospitals and 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 whatnot. And then all of a sudden, a rich Jewish 
section of uh, of the area, like getting into the suburbs. Right. So you're just passing through all this weird stuff. Yeah, you you pass a lot of demographics in a short amount of time. I feel yes, like, like very fast. It almost and it almost seemed like there was a clear cut division. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this side of the street is this group of people. And this side of the street is this group of people. You know what I mean? yeah. And it was like the same road too. That right. was that was the other trip. Right. It was like we went straight on one street, and it was like we hit every single demographic. Right. And uh, but the other thing that like so, <laughs> like I'm was almost ashamed of myself how uneasy I got when we were in the sketchier part of town <laughs> towns. You know what I mean? Like because I I don't consider like and we kind of joked about it, whatever. And it's not like I don't. The line, like it's hard to set, talk, even talk about it and be like, but like I'm not a racist, you know what I mean? And no one that we were with was racist, and you know, we're all, but like you get into these parts of town where like it's just a whole different culture, and you're like, and they start, and people start looking at you like, what are you doing here? And you're like, like it just got a little uncomfortable for a while because we're eight white guys in Volkswagens in a very black part of town, you know what I mean? So you're like, but. In retrospect, you know what I mean? Like, I, everything was cool, everything, you know, like, nothing bad happened or whatever. But you could see, like, it's it's an eye-opener when you're not used to it all the time, kind of, like, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement or whatever. Like, you see it on TV and you're like, oh, yeah, like, they're protesting or whatever. And then you go somewhere, place like that, and you're like, oh, this is what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, you can see... It's just a wake-up call when you're not inundated with it all the time. You kind of just see the culture and the, the way, you know what I mean? You can, like, almost get a feeling for it, the tension even, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're like, oh, like, right, this is this is what's actually going on out there. And I think, I think that's, like, a lot of, like, <clears throat> it was an eye-opener for me because, um, you know, you get people around here that talk about it that probably have never been to a city like that, you know what I mean? Especially being from small town New Hampshire and you try to relate but there's no way you can because you'll never be a young black person from an inner city you know what I mean you'll always be the white guy middle class from a small town in New Hampshire there's no there's no way you can relate you know what I mean yeah so like then just going there and getting a little bit a little taste of it it makes you kind of more sensitive to the situation and what's going on I feel like that was the wake-up call for me I was like oh like I kind of like, uh, like I said, I can't, I can never say I get it, but it was kind of more like a, like a, a small glimpse through the window yeah. of everyday life for people like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is, this is like, oh, this is how other people live. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> We're so used to this area. Right. Right. Well, and then another thing too is like, not to say like, um, like, and that's the other thing too is you'll never know how those people actually live. You know, some of those people might like love their everyday existence too. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you'll just never know. And, but then just getting the small glimpse, you're like, Oh, they're like, and that was the other thing too about, I like, um, about the whole situation between going to like city center and seeing like, uh, city hall and like all those old buildings and all the old statues of like the founding fathers and things like that. And then Reading terminal market and like all that. And then going to, and having to like drive through the different demographics, whatever it really sparked my curiosity and interest to go see other parts of the United States. You know what I mean? Like I've been some places, but like actually go explore other 
cities and towns in the United States. You know what I mean? Because you always think about like, well, for me anyway, before I went to Philadelphia, even, um, like it was like, oh, I want to travel outside the United States. Like I'd like to go to different countries. You know, I'd like to go to, you know, experience other cultures. There's a lot of culture that you probably don't even know about inside the United States that I think a lot of people don't take advantage of experiencing. You know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, like went to Philadelphia, you know, I've been to New York a couple of times, Boston, obviously, but I'm like, what else is like, what other towns or other big cities in the United States have I never been to that would be interesting to go to just by getting out of your comfort zone? Like what would you experience? You know what I mean? Yeah. I saw a thing <laughs> recently on, um, uh, Parts Unknown, the Anthony Bourdain show, where he went <laughs> Your to... Your new obsession. Right. Well, I, I honestly, like, started watching it because of going to Philadelphia. A, we watched in the hotel room a little bit, and I, like, kind of... But it was, like, the experience of being in Philadelphia kind of sparked my interest in, like, seeing... But, like, he goes to Detroit, which you never think of being someplace anyone would willingly go to, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he goes, and he, like, he goes, and he meets this old white guy that lives at the Packard old Packard plant in... Detroit, and it's like 20 square miles of rundown buildings that he like lives in or whatever, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, it'd actually be kind of cool to go check that stuff out, you know what I mean? Go do like some urban exploring and see like what's going on and, and stuff like that, and kind of just see the history of our country and, and what's actually going on out there, because, you know, you kind of live in your bubble and you stay in one spot for too long, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I think that's like the, uh, that might be one of our our mantras on this podcast is right. get out of your bubble. Right. And definitely we got out of our bubble this weekend or last weekend for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we walked, it was, I mean, even like, so <laughs> the first day we got there and we walked to, uh, well, you, you got to back up. We got to talk about what we did first, which is when we went to the, to, uh, what was that place called again? The uh, Knicks. The Knicks? Yeah. And got roast pork sandwiches. In the, uh, in the, was it District Market? No, Reading Terminal Market. Reading Terminal Market. It was like, you want to talk about sensory overload? You walk into Reading Terminal Market and you're just like, holy shit, I want to eat everything here. Right. Right. But we went to the Knicks and got some roast pork sandwiches. Yeah. Gut bombs. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then we proceeded to walk it off and go to, which was kind of a, um, a shocker in itself was we went and walked to uh, the Museum of Art, the Rocky Steps, and saw the whole Rocky statue thing. And it, that was also like kind of like disheartening. The whole like you expecting this grand, like, and it was like some snow fence around the Rocky statue and like a couple guys trying to hustle some money to take pictures for it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that, like, that was the entertaining part. It's like there's, there's, if you ever go see the Rocky statue, there's going to be a couple of guys like, and they've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our, our friend Pete was telling us about it. It was like, he sat down and talked to him one time and just fed him a sam- sandwich of pizza or something like that. Right. <laughs> Like talk to him. He's like that dude's been hustling that for years, and right. the I I think my my favorite part about that whole experience <laughs> is is like the group is like sitting there talking to this guy. We're trying to like figure out how to get out of like dealing with this guy so we can get a picture in front of the Rocky statue. Right, and out of the out of the right corner of my eye, like I look over, I'm like, there's a dude approaching me to the right, and he looks like old Sylvester Stallone. Right. <laughs> Like, I, I'm, I'm like, what the fuck? Right. 
Yeah. The, the whole, this dude looked exactly like old Sylvester Stallone. The whole experience was a trip, like between, and like it was just a big hustle. You know what I mean? Like there were like, and I mean, well, and that's the other weird thing is, like, so I will, we're like fucking all over the place today, but there's so much to talk about. But we watched, um, my wife and I watched the new Rocky movie last night, and all that stuff is in the new Rocky movie. Like he goes and he like sees the Rocky statue because the kid comes from Los Angeles to Philadelphia, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I was just there. And Brittany's like, is Rocky a real guy? I'm like, no, they have a statue of a fictional character. You know what I mean? They're like, really? She's like, why? I'm like, because it's just such an iconic character in Philadelphia's history. You know what I mean? Back in the 60s when the movie was made, like it put Philadelphia on the map again, you know, like whatever. And she's like, they really have a statue of a fake character. I'm like, yes, like, like it's, it's there. I've been there. So it was, but it's kind of weird. It says something about 76. Right. So it says something about kind of, it's only fitting that there are guys trying to hustle you to get a buck to take a picture with your phone in front of a fake statue. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like, oh, like, it kind of just, it, it says something about kind of American culture or something. You know what I mean? Like, there's some hidden message behind all that. Like, you want your picture taken with a fake statue. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. Well, yeah, like, America, when you really look at America, uh, we're a very young nation compared to the rest of the world. Right. <clears throat> we're still developing our own culture. And, and, and I mean, it, 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 it gets, it gets pushed around a little bit, but, but I mean, like there is culture out there for a long time. I just, I mean, especially when I went to, uh, Southeast Asia, I was just like, wow, America is like a very cultureless society. But, um, when you really start getting into it, like, we do have culture. We just have it in our own way. Mm. Um, and like, uh, I think that's kind of what we're touching upon is, is what you're touching upon is, is the fact that like there is culture out there and, and we did get to see some of it. Right. So it was, it was definitely eye opening. Well, and then the other thing that, ah, <laughs> uh, another Rocky reference, but he, uh, like he said it a co- uh, he, in the movie last night. And it's one of those things where it kind of struck a chord with me. He was like, People from Philadelphia make the uh, the toughest fighters. He's like, it must be in the water or something, you know, in his Sylvester Stallone voice or whatever. And I was like, that is so true. Because I don't think anybody I encountered last weekend that was from Philadelphia wasn't maybe the toughest person I've ever met. You know what I mean? Like, they just have this this toughness about them. You're like, uh, I don't know. Like... They all just like, I mean, everyone there at that academy was super technical and really good, but also they're just crushers. Like everyone was a crusher. There's no, like Jared has a t-shirt at his academy that says, we don't flow roll. And I'm like, (laughs) clearly you don't flow roll. Like no one here flows, but they're all super technical. They're all really good at jujitsu. Like the techniques of jujitsu, they just are super they're tough. They're just tough individuals. Like there's definitely something in the water there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's like everyone I rolled with that weekend on Friday night, I was like, man, like they're not going to just roll over and give you anything. Like you're going to fight for everything you get. Cause there's that total, like do not accept thing. It was like the whole time I was like, yeah, you guys are like, there's no quitting any of those guys. It was pretty awesome. They're like, they're really good. Yeah. I got <laughs> I got my ass beat a couple of times. 
Yeah. Who, who did you roll with, though? Uh, I rolled with another white belt that, uh, it, like, my my skill level, uh, my skill level couldn't do anything to him. Like, he was just on top of me, and all I had to, all, all I could really do was just, like, keep my guard to survive. Right. And it was so damn, like, I think we were rolling for, I don't know how long it was. It seemed like it was an eternity. <laughs> right. Like, had to be the least, like, had to be at least like ten minutes where we were just like holding like long, long, ter- long positions, and uh, um, I got to the point where like it was so fucking hot in the uh, in the academy that I was, I like, I was, I was like, dude, I gotta stop. I'm gonna pass out. Right. <laughs> like I was, I was so hot and so it tired. Was, it was hot and swampy in there. Yeah, it was very hot and swampy, and that gut bomb we had for uh, for lunch was sitting pretty heavy. Oh yeah, and the the seven hour car ride. Yeah, really it didn't, didn't help, help the situation. We, we were all in pretty rough shape that that night, but but I mean, no excuses. Those guys are fucking like I rolled with um, this kid Nick, uh, who one of his brown belts was really really good. Yeah, he's like won the New York Open, uh, won like Pan Ams in the worlds, I think, at brown belt. And uh, I was like, I don't know. It was I, I got to the point like where I was just like. I can't, like, I can't do anything anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I was, like, just fighting for my life. And then, so that, I mean, it was a really fun role. And then I rolled with Jared, which was, like, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) Jared, so, not only is Jared super technical and, uh, uh, and just a crusher, like, whatever, but he's so fast. Like that was the one thing that caught me off guard. It was like if I he wasn't moving so fast, I probably could have dealt with what he was doing. But he's so quick. He's so quick. Uh it was just a it was a fight just to keep him off me a lot of the times. You know what I mean? And then I roll with Pete. And I like <clears throat> Pete's kind of an, an anomaly in that academy because I feel like he is as good as he is and as technical as he is, he's a lot more chill. So that was like my role where we almost flowed. Like as much as anybody can flow in that academy, he flowed the most. You know what I mean? So we, it was a lot of moving around, not really holding position or whatever. And like, and it was, it was a fun role. And then I rolled with another one of his black belts. Uh, <laughs> his nickname is basketball. Don't ask me why. Um, but he like, that was, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like just, just, an animal so, and so good. All those guys are so good. Um, but they're like, that was the one thing that stood like, they're like, all of you guys, there's no quit in any of you. Like, like I got to the point where I'm like, I'm not even going to try to go for a submission at this point because I know you're not going to tap. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, there's, there's no quit. All you guys are super tough. You know what I mean? So it was, but it was a fun night. That was a, that was a good night of training. It was yeah. awesome. So you should probably bring up the fact that like we're down there for you were going to be teaching at uh, a, a seminar, two day seminar <clears throat> in uh, Jared Wiener's gym, uh, BJJ United for Mission Twenty Two, which is uh, raising awareness for uh, veteran suicide. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we got in and we did an open mat the night before uh, the seminar, and that's where we're at now. Yeah, and like talking about like, it, it was, we got to do an open mat, and that that I mean that was fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was nice and relaxed. Right. Um, except for getting, right, getting smashed. Yeah, I mean it was it was open roll, so like no one was telling you like who you had to roll with and how long you had to roll, and like 
all that stuff. So like, yeah, it was a good time. There's a lot of like sitting around talking and like in between roles and, and exchanging techniques and things like that. That was, that's like one of my favorite things about open mat. Like, so when I was coming up, um, I was training at Boston BJJ a lot. And on Saturday, it was like Saturday was the infamous day because they would have a beginner class, then they would have advanced class, and then after the advanced class, so advanced class was blue belt and above. And then after the advanced class, uh, um, from like noon to pretty much whenever anybody would leave, they would have open mat. And it was like, I can remember I would go and take the advanced class and then it seemed like when the advanced class was over, that's when all like the heavy hitters would roll in for open mat. A lot of black belts would roll up, you know, um, people from other schools would show up, whatever. And you would just roll and roll and roll and trade techniques and talk about stuff. And it's open mat in jujitsu is one of those things where I feel like it's often an overlooked, uh, gem in the jujitsu community and way of life. Like an open mat, um, a lot of cool things can happen open mat. You know what I mean? Because that's when you're not drilling techniques that are like mandatory techniques. You know what I mean? It's where you can kind of free form and flow and work on the thing. So like, I feel like that's when a lot of like those techniques that are groundbreaking, you know what I mean? And, and new and exciting. That's when those techniques develop. You know what I mean? Cause you be like, Oh, I'm trying this thing and try it and try it and try it. And then you're like, Oh, what do you think about this? And, and kind of, it's almost like workshop time, you know what yeah. I mean? Where you kind of, you can get creative or whatever. And then like, you have all these people, like someone can see you over in the corner and do it and be like, Oh, I saw some guy do this once with that same kind of technique. And then they'll do this. You know what I mean? So like you get this weird, like it's a, it's a very, um, it's like a conversation. Right. And it's a conducive atmosphere to creativity. You know yeah. what I mean? For some reason it's, it's open mats are, are, are a real gem. If you can, I, I feel like it's lost on a lot of people to go and really uh, take full advantage of open mat. Like, that's one thing. Like, we try to have a couple every now. Like, we have one after class on Saturday. People stick around for open mat. And um, I usually give people time (coughs) after, like, class if I have. Like, on Wednesday, we we get done pretty early. So, I'll be like, oh, yeah, just stick around, have open mat for a while, whatever, and train. Then we have just open mat on Sunday, like there's no class or whatever. And I feel like those are classes that like, even if you're a white belt, you should go, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a hidden gem. Yeah. So all of that happened on Wednesday. I actually, I mean, on a Friday night, I actually picked up some, some pretty cool techniques to like that plug right into my, my game now from just rolling with people and being like, Oh, I do something from that position. Show it to me when we're done rolling. And when we're done rolling, like show you the position. You're like, oh, that's going right into my game. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, one thing that I I kind of discovered about myself was, it, or discovered that night was, um, Pete came over and and he was he was just like he was like I just want to roll with you like, just to just to like have that conversation with you. Right. And uh, I I I feel like I, I was like I was let down by myself. I was, I was like, man, I just. I wish I could just do more and, and, and I knew more to do. And this is like right before my, like, uh, my eyes just became open this week where like I started being like, okay, I can do this and I can experiment a little bit more. And I started getting on my shell this week. Right. Um, whereas that last Friday I was still kind of like, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should try this or not. And this week I definitely went for it. So right. it's almost like, 
I'm looking back to Friday. I'm like, like it was awesome. It was great. It was like an awesome bonding experience with Pete, but I can't wait to see him again right. to have that conversation again with him. You'll have more and to like, talk about. Right. We got, <laughs> right. I, I hope to have a lot more to talk about. Right. Right. And, and, and that's what it is. It was like, I, this, this thing that I'm like completely new to with, with BJJ, is it like how, how much bonding actually happens between like two people when they're doing it and, 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 like you, you come out different on the other side, right? No matter, no matter what you do, no matter how quick it is, you come out different on the other side, right? So it's, it's, my eyes are definitely open right now, right? Well, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm drinking, I'm drinking the Kool Aid from the fire hose. Well, here's the other thing too is like, the the cool thing about, I mean, a couple of people have said this to me over the weekend too, like, um, like I think it was that was Pete's first, um, so Pete that trains at our, our academy, um. That was his first experience going somewhere else to train. Like he'd always trained at the academy, and hell of a spot to go be here. Because I mean, Jared, as like as awesome as he is, as uh, you know, as as friendly as he is, as such a good guy as he is, he's an intense dude. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Pete, Pete from Philly. No. Yeah, I, I, I think. Explain to the people who you're talking about. Yeah, Everybody's so. Everybody's named Pete. You're talking so about I, I was, Pete. I was talking about Philly Pete. I know, and I we have a, a guy at our academy that was with us named Pete, and he went with us, and it was his first time training somewhere else. Let's we'll call him Racist Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not calling him that because he is not. Um, uh, so we went, and he went, and that was his first time, and like so. Of all places to go train, training at BJJ United with a bunch of, it's, it's, I mean, it's a lion's den. You go in and no, like we talked about it, like everyone's a tough role. No one's going to quit on you. You know what I mean? There's no pushovers there. Um, it's real quality jujitsu. But so that was his first time going somewhere else other than the academy. It was your first time going somewhere else other than the academy. It was Elliot's first time going somewhere other than the academy, which, like, you got jumped into the deep end on that one. Um, but one of the things everyone kept saying was, like, this is the first time I've been on a trip where we would go somewhere to eat and there'd be more money, way more money on the table than what the bill was because everyone just starts throwing in 20s, you know what I mean? And, like, it's like you only had a beer, you know what I mean, or a burger, it's five bucks you know what i mean everybody throws in a 20 you know what i mean so like that's i think the beauty of especially our jiu-jitsu community but i think that's why like i relate so much to um jared and pete and all those things because it's a a similar community you know what i mean like you're always willing to do a little bit more than you need to do for the other guys in the academy and that was like a reoccurring theme everyone was like i'm shocked like this is the first time i've been on a trip with someone where you know what I mean? And, like, there's no, like, and that's the other cool thing about, like, and the jiu-jitsu community, but especially our community, is there's no drama. I know everyone was like, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? I'll do whatever. Yeah, me too. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we need to go do this, or I don't want to go do that. It was like, yeah, let's go do whatever. You know, we're here having a good time, you know? And that was, like, it's always refreshing to go and, like, just have that experience and have there be no drama and just fun and laughs you know what i mean yeah i i don't think i've laughed that much <laughs> right not to mention i mean we spent three days um 
all together. We really didn't break apart too much. And like, I like now it's like all week. I was like, man, I miss those dudes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, I had so much fun. It was, right. it, was it was a blast. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's like Friday night. It was swampy. It was hot. Right. And then Saturday, there was a lot of people that showed up. Yeah, I think there was, I forget, I think Jared said there was 80 plus people there, which is, you know, a pretty big turnout for something that was like, uh, I mean, like how many black belts were there? Uh, over 20. It was like 25, I think. That's or, a, I mean, that that many black belts in one room is a pretty big deal, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think there's 25 black belts in New Hampshire, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, it was a lot of black belts, a lot of knowledge in that room, you know what I mean? And I thought that the greatest thing, like, I, that's the other thing about the jiu-jitsu community, which I think is really cool. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this because I felt like I can't thank Jared enough for even the opportunity to go and, and teach and be asked to teach that seminar, you know, um, I, you know, it's, it's hard to talk about because I know I've never really won anything as far as like, I'm not like a well-known jujitsu like practitioner, you know, never won any big tournaments, you know, um, uh, I feel like everything that has happened to me in jujitsu, you know, I've, I've worked hard and I've kind of really, inundated and, and, and consumed myself with jujitsu, but that's about it. You know what I mean? Like I, and everything that's kind of happened to me between, and we talked about this on the last podcast, you know, getting asked to be on the shorter roll team and then, um, some other things that have happened. And now, or just recently being asked to teach at the seminar is kind of just all luck. You know what I mean? Like I just feel really fortunate that that stuff's happened to me. And I really can't, like I said, I can't thank Jared enough for giving me that opportunity because, I stood up there with a bunch of other black belts who are kind of legendary, you know what I mean? And, 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 and I almost felt out of place a little bit, you know? Um, but, uh, the fact that other black belts would look at me, someone who I don't have any stripes on my belt yet. I haven't been a black belt that long. I honestly haven't been doing jujitsu even that long compared to a lot of those guys. And they still were willing to listen to what, I had to say and ask questions about my techniques and stuff like that and then try them out and, and take them for what they were worth and, and consider them valid. You know what I mean? That was a, that was a huge honor for me. You know what I mean? So that was pretty, as, as a friend, like it was pretty awesome to see you up there with a bunch of heavy hitters. Right. Well, and then even the guys that didn't teach a seminar, you know what I mean? For them to just show up, you know, granted it was for a good cause and all that stuff, but at the same time, like actually like, all those black belts sat up front and were really attentive and like wanted to learn the techniques that I showed. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Like they could have easily just stood in the back and not paid attention. You know what I mean? But they were all up front, like, and they all asked questions and, and, and really gave a, an effort to at least try and consider the techniques that I showed, which was like, I was blown away by that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of brings up like all the other guys that were there uh, in the seminar, obviously hosted by uh, Jared and his crew. Um, but uh, David Jacobs, The Rock, uh, he, he was uh, he was there teaching. Dave Dave is the that's the first time I had met uh, Dave. Um, 
but he's kind of a, a legend in jujitsu, especially on the East Coast, real old school black belt. Um, you know, I've been hearing about um, him since pretty much I started jujitsu. Um, kind of some funny, like, if anybody wants to know kind of what Dave is all about, watch the uh, Ryan Hall pizza parlor fight video. <laughs> um, if, so if it just... I'll kind of explain it to people who don't understand about, um, have or never seen it before, but you need to just go watch it. So Ryan Hall is this like really high level jujitsu practitioner. Um, probably one of the best American black belts in the world. Um, fights MMA. Now he's fighting the UFC. Just won the ultimate fighter actually by like just using jujitsu. Like a lot of techniques, a lot of people didn't think whatever you would work in MMA. He managed to make them work in MMA. That's how good his jujitsu is. But he's in a pizza parlor and this guy's clearly drunk, like, trying to start stuff over, like, nothing. I forget what it's about or whatever. So it escalates and Ryan Hall ends up, like, taking him down and choking him out and waiting for the cops to come. And, like, if you don't know Ryan Hall, he's a very cerebral, level-headed, calm guy. So he did the absolute minimum he could actually have done to this guy to kind of de-escalate the situation. But the whole time, the whole things going on <laughs> dave jacobs is sitting at the end of his table just eating pizza like doesn't even bat an eye just like keeps eating his pizza like there's a fight going on and he's just like yeah whatever like he keeps eating his pizza <laughs> so that's him you know what i mean like and just a an, an absolute kind of legend and especially on east coast jiu-jitsu um so it was cool to kind of finally meet him and we uh we, we hit it off pretty well you know what i mean i think out of all the guys there he's probably the guy that i kind of talked to and chatted with the most which was pretty awesome older guy i think he's like in his like 50s you know what i mean so it was cool and the other cool thing is um i started at boston bjj which is where kenny florian and keith florian started and uh he knew them when they were like blue belts so he had like all these cool little stories about guys that i looked up to when i was a white belt you know what i mean about how he was like yeah i was a black belt and they were purple belts and i was like man that's crazy because they were black belts when I before I even started jujitsu, you know. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, the uh, the whole thing was was kind of. Um, I mean, Jared Jared Jared's academy was was the host, but uh, the guy that brought everything in was this guy named Pete Wilhelm. Well, Wilhelm. 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 Yeah. Uh, where I think he's from, like Tulsa. His school's Tulsa. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think the name of his school is uh, Triton martial arts i think um i know that they offer some other stuff there i like to do like um muay thai and things like that but i know that his we were talking to him it's actually really impressive he's got like 350 students at yeah academy, he's, got, he's got a lot of people which is a huge academy i mean in retrospect uh like our academy only we only have like 50 people you know what i mean um and he's got like, I think he said like 7,000 square feet of mat space and stuff like that. So he's got a really impressive program. Clearly he's doing a lot of Triton Fight Center is what yeah. it's called in Tulsa. So if any like, if you're ever in Tulsa, man, I mean, Pete's a great guy. That's one thing that um really uh, struck upon me was, you know, he's kind of the, the one of the main guys behind the Mission 22 thing. Um, and he kind of gave a, you give a real, uh, he's a... Um, veteran himself talked about kind of the, the trials and, and tribulations that he went through when he got out of the military and, and everything that he went through and how BJJ really 
you know, turned his life around and, and things like that. So if any of you guys are ever in Tulsa or if you're a veteran and, you know, you're interested in jujitsu, I know that Pete would be willing to, you know, kind of help you and, and talk about you and, and do what you get, need to get started. Um, it's in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, I guess, which I think that that's close to Tulsa. I don't know. I don't know the geography of Tulsa well, or, I, or Oklahoma. I, I think that like it's a, it's a suburb of the city, I think is what, how it happened. Um, but so he gave this one of the, I think one of the things that was like really sobering to me about the whole thing was he had all the black belts turn around and face the class and then lay down and there was 22 black belts. And he's imagine all of these people gone today. He's like, that's how many veterans kill themselves, you know? And I was like, that's fucking crazy. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that was like one of those things where I was like, it kind of really hit home. It put, it put things in perspective. You know what I mean? He taught some really cool techniques and, uh, and, and was really kind of the backbone of what was going on there. Yeah. I, I like when he, he was teaching the, um, taking the gi out and then using your own gi against you and like right in your armpit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Jared, Jared commented on that multiple times. He's like, what the fuck did you do to me last right. night? He's like, right. my armpit's killing me. That's like, see, that's, and that was like, like a really cool thing is like, yeah, I know he puts it in his like oh, under his yeah. leg and like yeah. sits up with it. So like yeah. it's a sweep with it. Yeah. But, uh, I love that shit. I, well, <laughs> I, I just, so the thing that like I really love, like, and that was kind of the cool thing about the techniques I showed. And then definitely the techniques that Pete showed was like, it's always like, and it's a little bit of an ego thing kind of, but it's always awesome when you can blow other black belts minds. You know what I mean? Cause once you get to be a black belt, you've seen a lot of things and you kind of can, it's almost like you start rolling on concept instead of technique. You know what I mean? So you're like, Oh, like in theory, if I do this and this, this should work. And it may not be a, a, a quote unquote technique, you know, cut and dry. You know what I mean? It's more of a, a like an idea or like I said, a concept. So when you can take a concept and or show a technique and people are like other black belts are like, man, like and they get wide eyed or whatever. That's a really good feeling. You know what I mean? And I think that that technique in particular is one of those techniques that like every black belt in the room was like, yeah, like, like that's <laughs> awesome. Like I never seen that before. So that, that was really cool. Um, another guy, uh, uh, Bryant Penn. I can't remember. I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, I can bring this up for you if you want. Okay. Yeah. I'm terrible at names. Um, but, uh, Bryant, who's, uh, his, his stuff is, uh, his stuff is pretty awesome. Um, he did like a lot of like the crushing stuff. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, his school is in Pleasant Hill, um, California, which is like right outside of San Francisco, I think. So Northern Cali. Um, but yeah, he's kind of got that crushing, uh, style. Pangelinen. Pangelinen. <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably Pangelian, I don't know. Pangel or Pangelian, but yeah, these these words here. Yeah. Bryant, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry, I'm butchering your name. Right. <laughs> um So yeah, that was uh and yeah. He uh he, he had some good techniques. Yeah. Oh, and it also was very fitting cuz he's like 55 five and fucking yoked you know what i mean like he's just he's, he's a physical specimen you know what I mean? they called him he actually looks like 
Dwayne Johnson, but mini version. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, like those techniques were like, yeah, he had, he had one that I just really I really enjoyed where it was basically just wrapping wrapping the guy up and then and then just starting to steamroll him across the mat and he was like you're gonna hear them like basically like exhale because their diaphragm is getting crushed and it's just like this. <laughs> so, but so here's the other thing about doing seminars, especially. I mean, it's one thing that I, I don't know how to explain this, really, um, but. So a lot of times what happens when you do seminars, and I tried to explain this to you guys before you went, is like a lot of times you get a lot of techniques and only one or two of them will be like, they'll stick. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now for me, like when I, because I'm taking on such a, a teaching role and stuff, it's a lot of like little teaching cues, the way they teach that will stick. And one of the things that Bryant said that I was like, huh. Like, I'm going to use that now. And I've already started to use it a little bit. was like, when you're on top of someone and you're passing, if they were to go away, you shouldn't fall over. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> New software. And, and, I, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's really true. Like, you know what I mean? So it wasn't even a technique that he showed. It was something he said conceptually about jujitsu that really stuck with me. You know what I mean? I think that was one of the things that, like, out of everything I took away from the weekend, yeah, that was one of the big things I took away. Kind of like perspective. Right. And I was like, oh, like, and but it will forever be something that I will talk about when I'm talking about passing on top. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it, it doesn't. It clicked with me, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so out of all the cool techniques, he said something that I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah, you know I mean? Th- there, I mean, that, that's, <clears throat> that goes across the board in, like, teaching, period. I mean, like, right. like having, having, like, a good, like, cue, good kind of perspective. Right. And when you're teaching something, like, when you get that snap and you're like, oh, I like that. Like, I mean, like that's, that's an awesome cue. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've picked up on on a lot of that. Yeah. Um, that's why I like, I I love listening to other coaches teach. So I'll kind of like pull what I, what I can from them. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that was like the one thing I got from his teaching and from the whole weekend was something he said. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then we got, uh, um, Vicente Jr. (laughs) Vicente, man. VJ's a, He's a, if his jiu-jitsu career doesn't pan out, he's got a, a career in comedy for sure. <laughs> he's like one of the funniest guys I've ever met. So funny. And it's like his comedic timing is so perfect. Um, but then the techniques he taught too were like his, his comedic timing and his jiu-jitsu timing is on par. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's as good at jiu-jitsu as he has been funny and vice versa. Yeah. It was funny. But like, yeah. Um, he's a uh a uh ricardo de la Hiva black belt and if any like anybody who does jujitsu out there or i mean ricardo de la Hiva has a guard named after him the de la Hiva guard you know what i mean so like he's been around and and uh Vicente got his uh his black belt from him so like he's got some legendary lineage um and if you want to see a funny video out there watch uh if you look up Vicente on instagram i'll tag him in the post he's got some guard passing stuff where he's texting the whole time it's pretty funny <laughs> i haven't seen that <laughs> he doesn't put his phone down and he pretends like he's texting and but that just goes to show 
and what kind of control of his body has that he can use his hands, even if he's joking about keeping his hands on a cell phone or whatever, and pass someone's guard with like some pretty tricky technique with his like leg situations and things like that. Like that's just he's a very small guy, very quick, very agile. Um, plays that game very well. Showed some cool guard passing. Actually showed some some cool close guard stuff, which you actually don't see a lot. You know what I mean? Close guard yeah. is. I feel like that's <clears throat> one thing I've been trying to to add back to my game. But I think playing close guard is almost a lost art. You know what I mean? It's it's um, a lot of people move on from it very quickly. Um, but it's, there's a there's a real art to playing the close guard, and he showed some cool stuff from there. Yeah. I think this brings up the point uh, for me too. It's like a lot of people think of like martial arts as being like this very regimented, like everyone's standing in a line. Like, I mean, you think of like karate studios is like, hi, hi, like every, it's like everything's super serious and everybody's just like, like the black belts are just going to kill you if you step out of line. It's like, not jujitsu, not not (laughs) jujitsu. I mean, it's a lot of like hanging out and laughing, throwing jokes around. It's that Brazilian vibe. But you're still learning right. so much information. Right. So much information. Right. I think that that's like, I think that that is definitely the um, Brazilian influence on the martial art. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, a lot of, so as a joke in the jiu-jitsu community that there's regular time and then Brazilian time and Brazilian time is whenever you feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, like, and that's the one thing I've heard from a lot of people that have gone and trained in Brazil or even people that just have visited Brazil, they're like, yeah, come over whenever. And like, well, when do you want me to come over? Whenever. Like, or I'll, yeah, I'll be there. Well, what time are you going to be? Whenever. You know what I mean? Like there's no schedules in Brazilian culture. It's like whenever you feel like showing up, there's no rush, everything. But, and at the same time, you have that intensity that there's like almost a, a, a very macho bravado that goes on like, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, will that the willingness to fight, you know what I mean? Like a lot of those guys, like you hear a lot of stories about like, you know, that's kind of how jujitsu started was, you know, surfing fights and things like that. And like defending your honor and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's like, whatever, man, like we'll show up whenever <laughs> we want. It's a, it's an interesting culture, <laughs> but I think that's like that, but that explains jujitsu and, you know, in a nutshell, it's like, it's very chill atmosphere, you know, you can crack jokes, you know, and, and, and hang out and, and all that. But when it's, when you're rolling, it's yeah. time to roll. It's just going down. <laughs> right. That, uh, the last on the, uh, the, the full gi day was, uh, Daniel Tavares. Yeah. Who's, who's probably one of my favorite guys. He uses hooks a lot. Yeah. Your hooks being your feet. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, Danny's a good guy, man. He uh, and the stuff he showed was was really cool. Um, I mean, I don't know. What yeah, like I, I I even applied it a couple of times this week. Right. Um, well, which, that was the other cool thing awesome. I thought about the whole the whole thing was that it seemed like everyone taught something that r- was appropriate for all skill levels. No one showed anything that was too complicated for the beginner, but not so simple that a black belt couldn't take or a very, like a very advanced student couldn't take something away from it. And that was kind of like, that was one thing I, I thought was interesting about, um, Daniel Tavares stuff was he, it was a very almost complicated, 
position, but he broke it down so simply that, I mean, you and Elliot, who have only been training jiu-jitsu a month, you know, can yeah, understand we pick it, it up and, fast. and pick it up, you know what I mean? And that's a, that's a real gift to have as a, as a teacher, you know what I mean? He, he's a, he's a very technical guy, so he can do that, you know what I mean? But like that was that was really impressive what he did. Yeah, I mean, just watching him like I I, I was watching like just the dexterity that he has, right. being able to control people with his feet. And right. and I mean, I, I was I remember he's he's probably like what like one sixty one sixty five. Yeah, I mean, he might get as heavy as one seventy. Yeah, he's I mean, he's, he's a taller guy. He's he's, like, he's he's tall, but he's thin. Yeah. Um, and he was working with one guy. He was showing some positions with this one dude. And just knowing how to take the person's weight and control the person's weight and their balance, like he'd be like going through one position, flipping the guy upside down, and then he'd be like, "Hold on, let me rewind," and just like repositions them. And this is a full-grown man. I mean, the, the the kid had to have been at least, I mean, at least one eighty-five. Right. So like he's just moving around like he was just he it was nothing. It was like a little feather pillow. Right. And just being able to position yourself in a way that you can just kind of move somebody back and forth. I think it was just uh, my eyes I was just like, wow, that's awesome. Elliot right. and I were like elbowing each other. I'm like, did you see that? Like he's just controlling like it was nothing. Right. Um and that's that's a beauty of jiu-jitsu is just like that um just being able to control people the, the way you want to control them. Well, the cool thing too is like if you like, and that's one thing I think all the instructors did well. Is like, so what happens is like, like you teach a couple techniques, and then like, so you teach a technique, and then you walk around and let people drill it, and then you teach a technique and let people walk around and drill it. So the cool thing about this weekend was all the instructors that were teaching techniques, like everyone taught two techniques, whatever. Um, the people that were there instructing, but it wasn't their techniques to show still walked around and helped out getting the techniques across. And I think that's like the sign of like a really good black belt or a really good jujitsu instructor or whatever is you can see a technique and it may not be a technique that you have in your arsenal at all times, but you can still understand and conceptualize why the technique worked. So you can kind of troubleshoot it if some people aren't doing it right, which I thought was really cool. You know what I mean? Like I, on day one and on day two, it's, that was one thing that was really impressive about uh, Daniel Tavares was out of all the people there, I ran into him showing people the techniques that I shot that I showed and helping them out. You know what I mean? Like they were like, and then if he didn't know why, he would come and ask me, which was like, I was like, man, like for another black belt that's been doing to, that just that long to come and ask me about the techniques I showed so then he could help someone else better was really impressive. You know what I mean? But that was the one thing that was really cool. Like all the teachers were like, Oh, like this is why it works, you know what I mean? And could figure out why the techniques worked and then help other people out, which was cool. Yeah. So let's talk about what happened on either side of the training, which was a lot of consumption of bad food. <laughs> <laughs> like I like the the day the day was amazing. I mean, it was just like like the whole weekend was amazing and like we got to train with all these really cool people and we got to see these really cool instructors. You got to train uh, you got to teach alongside with all these amazing instructors. Um, and I mean, it's just, I, I'm blown away by the whole weekend in, in itself. And it's like, and then we, like that morning, 
We got up and we went to the marketplace and found Bueller donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing that completely blew me away. Right. If you follow either one of our bo- uh, our Instagrams, you'll see the kind of donuts that we got because we definitely took pictures of them. Right. Um, but uh, it's like a, like, I think, I think Amish Mennonites. I don't, I don't know. They, I, don't, I don't know what sect they were, <laughs> but they uh, a lot of a lot of the bakeries were were run by them, um, and the donuts were amazing. I gotta tell you, man, I had n- paid zero attention to what <laughs> nationality, religion, whatever these people were, because I was so in- inundated and overwhelmed by the donuts. <laughs> Honestly, like I was like, it, so you talk about sensory overload. They literally have like it's a it's a case that's five feet high and about fifteen feet long, full of donuts. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, with like about two hundred variety of gourmet donuts. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Seriously, like I was not paying attention to anything else but what was going on in they this had, case. They had donut flavors I didn't even I didn't even know existed. They had we had maple bacon donuts. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Although I I think my my favorite out of all of them was the uh was the salted caramel. I didn't have one of those. I had um you failed. They had a, a it was a chocolate peanut butter. <laughs> and like I'm expecting like so Stupid me. Like, I'm like, oh, it's going to be like peanut butter on the inside. No, it was peanut butter frosting on the inside. So not only was it peanut, it was just, I was like, about probably 40 pounds of sugar. You know what I mean? I got, but I was like, it was, it was the, the whole donut thing was as overwhelming as anything else that went on that weekend. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And then we, uh, we also walked, we walked, which was, I think one of at the time when we started to walk, I was like, oh, this is going to suck so bad. But it actually ended up being one of my favorite parts of the weekend that wasn't jujitsu. But we walked from pretty much Reading Terminal Market all the way to Gino's and Pat's to get cheesesteaks, which yeah. is it's kind of a walk. I mean, it's got to be what? It was a mile and a half. Right. But it's not, <laughs> but it's, it's not in a straight line. <laughs> but it's not in a straight line. Like, we zigzagged all over the city. Yeah. Like, whatever. But, I mean, in like... But it was uh, like that whole thing was like it was it was again what we walked in the other direction now, very uh, all encompassing of so demographics. I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and say it, <laughs> come out with it. So I'm looking at the map. Like apparently I got the nickname Navigator for the weekend because I was the one that always had the Google phone out and like and, and getting our way through the city, um, and. Uh, I kept on like coming up on the map and like and, and zooming out a little bit and then I'd be like, "Oh, it's kind of funny. Like, there's a section called Gaberhood." I'm like, "Oh, it's like I was like, oh, it's Gaberhood, okay." And then we're starting to walk towards Geno's and then I'm like, "It's a lot of rainbow flags," and I was like, "Gaberhood really means Gaberhood." Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was like, and you know what? It's it was the nicest part of Philly. Well, and here's the other thing about like, so we, it, well, it was the the nicest part of Philly. It really like was. T-shirt after T-shirt after T-shirt today, you guys are killing it. <laughs> Gave a heart is the nicest part of Philly. That's gonna be a T-shirt, <laughs> right? Um, but that was the other thing for like. So here here is the thing about Philadelphia, I guess, is that that's 
kind of strange is for as old as it is, it's very liberal. Yeah. There's all, you know what I mean? So like where, like, I don't know many other cities in America other than like the ones you would naturally think of like San Francisco or something like that, where or like South beach where like a whole section of the city is kind of dedicated to the gay community. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, and that was like, it was, I mean, it was cool. You know what I mean? Like it was like, the, it was a really nice part of the city and you know, everyone, obviously everyone was super friendly. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, I mean, it's the walking around that place. It looked like you were in an Acura commercial or something like that. It's right. just like everybody's like wearing sweaters and, and like walking their little, little shit dogs. And <laughs> the streets were clean. Right. There's all these like out outdoor restaurants, right. and and we're walking around. And we're like, man, this is like really. It was really awesome. Nice. Like you and I got some really good pictures out of. I mean, both of us were like, I think we were like competing, but not competing for like the nicest pictures. And right <laughs> on, on Instagram, there's like the, this this side road that had all these cherry blossoms. They were they were like dropping their flowers everywhere, and there's. I mean, it's a beautiful street. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you want to, and this isn't like, we're not talking about like, this is an outside part of the city. This is right downtown. Mm. And, uh, and, and you would just talk about like, just such a nice, nice little, uh, nice little area. But yeah. we would just walk through there. It was everything. It, it, it basically was, uh, it was almost like the, the, the nicer communities were starting to push out, like kind of like, you can see where it probably at one time was was not so nice. It, it was it becoming was to, gentrified. It was becoming gentrified. Yeah, there you could kind of you were witnessing gentrification in yeah. the process. And you, I mean, you can see that in any city. I mean, right? I mean, look at like go, Dorchester. Go to Baltimore. <laughs> right. Uh, Baltimore. There were there used to be row houses in Baltimore going all the way down to the stadium, and it was like a street you don't walk down. It was formstone, shitty housing, and. They actually gave tax breaks at one point to people to buy the formstone houses, houses, take the formstone off the front. It's basically like you take a wire mesh and then you put on these like ugly ass concrete, like beige 70s colors uh, shit on top of brick. Right. And they were basically giving tax breaks to people to buy these uh, row houses to take off the formstone and expose the brick and gentrify the neighborhood. Right. Um, and that's probably what happened. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know the history of Philly, but that's probably what was happening in that neighborhood. It was, it was like just slowly growing out and growing out, growing out. Right. To You get this place where it's like it's an Acura commercial. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but we kept on kept on moving through and right. saw some saw some old. So I still am regretting not stopping at that Mexican Roach Coach. <laughs> there's some smells coming out of this. Uh, yeah, that, that's one thing that Philly Pete was saying is like the, the food truck has like kind of blown up in Philadelphia. Yeah, they're yeah. huge. It's I mean, and then like we walked like to, to Gino's and Patch, which is just like it's not <laughs> it's not like so we talked to Pete and Pete Pete is um I mean. If you listen to his podcast right here, he's a very authentic, um, Philly, Philly Pete. Yeah. is a very, uh, authentic guy. You know what I mean? Like he, like he likes, and he likes things that are authentic and everything. So he was kind of like, yeah, Pat's and Gino's is awesome, but it's not the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia. But we went anyway because it's kind of iconic. You know what I mean? You got to do the whole tourist thing and show up, whatever. So we yeah. went down there and took some pictures and it was definitely an experience. You know, you go to, we went to Gino's and 
half of our group went to Pat's or whatever. Um, but we went to Gino's and like you go underneath their awning and you the line wraps around the building and there's just pictures on the ceiling, all over the walls, outside or whatever, of all these famous people that have been to Pat's, you know, I mean to Gino's, yeah. you know what I mean? So that was kind of cool seeing all like just kind of the iconic stat like status of not only that, but like there's a cheesesteak place. There's like uh, PD patches, right. like police department patches, like here and there. Right. Or actually, I mean, just entire solid walls of just police department patches, right? Right. Stuff. So, um, but the I think the, the one funny part that I remember was that uh, we grabbed our cheesesteaks and we're like, we're like, oh, I can't wait to eat this. And we see the guys across the street sitting at a bench at Pat's. Right. And we start walking across the street, and I just stopped dead in my tracks halfway through the street. I was just like. I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to do this. <laughs> right. It's like, right. it's, it's right. a, it's a fucking restaurant and it's turf warfare. Right, right, right. Cause they're like right across <laughs> this intersection from each other. The whole thing is like, it's, you know, it's like, I don't know. That's like Americana at its best right there. You know what I mean? You go and you're like, Oh, like it's just, it's an experience. Yeah. I, and that's like, so that whole thing was like what we went and talked to, like touched upon was like the whole experience between, being downtown where the old kind of the old money was and like the the historics of, you know, old Philadelphia and then going one direction and kind of going through the, the impoverished part of Philadelphia and then going the other direction and going through Gaberhood, which in that whole culture, whatever, and then going to Pat and Gino's, which is like, you know, a kind of a tourist attraction, but, you know, has South a lot Philly. of a, a culture in its own or whatever. You ran that whole gamut. That was what really inspired me or is, is inspiring me to go check out all the other things. I mean, the stuff I have never seen in the United States alone. You know what I mean? Like, it was really inspiring to, like, like I want to go check out other great American cities because of Philadelphia. And that The trip inspired me to go check that stuff out because, I mean, you can just kind of feel, especially, like, that was one thing I, we, we kind of before we even got in line, I kind of walked down the street and went to the intersection and, and took a picture of both places on my phone and just stood there. And you can almost kind of feel there's got, got there's some soul to it, even though it's a tourist trap at this point. You know what I mean? You can kind of feel like that, that there's almost, uh, you can almost feel the memories that were there. You know what I mean? Of all the people that have been there and how it all started and, you know, like just the Americana of it all, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that was really cool, you know. What I mean? And that's the kind of stuff I love. I love old stuff, you know what I mean? Like classic stuff, classic cars, you know, classic music, you know. Uh, but being in a place like that, you know, that just like you kind of can feel the the energy. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely like a, a trip being there. Right. That's for sure. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but uh, we we started. Well, we hit, uh, what was the name of that bar that we hit on the way back? Moriarty's, I think it was. Some Irish name. I don't remember. Supposedly, the, the, it was the best wings in Philly, turns out. It was like this nice little uh, um, Irish bar downtown. Sat outside. Sat outside. Almost got run over a couple times. <laughs> uh, Marty's? No, I think it's Moriarty's. Moriarty's? Yeah. Yeah, I only got a portion of the sign in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care about the name. I just cared about the artistic photo. Right. Um, but uh, sat around, and that was when the... Uh, 
<laughs> that was one hilarity, that hilarity ensued. Yeah, I, I, we, we tried to get somebody from the trip uh, onto the podcast, but uh, everyone had something going on this right. weekend. But uh, there was this whole whole <laughs> section that was like a really funny story that we had that was happening. It was um, uh, one of uh, one of the guys, Matt. He he tore off. He he went to go visit a friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, the rest of us went to go get Geno's and Pat's uh, cheesesteaks. So he's hanging out with another friend. We're, we're hanging out with uh, Moriarty's, and, uh, as we're calling it now. Um, I'm pretty sure and, that's uh, what it was. Was it Moriarty's? I think so. Um, so we're we're uh, we're hanging out there, and he's hitting us up. And we're like, hey, where are you guys? And uh, Derek <laughs> proceeds to take a picture of the top corner of the building. This is like a uh, this is like a five story building. Takes a picture of the top sto- story of the corner of the building, and just writes "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he, he, so he's like, "All right, I'm not getting anywhere with Derek, so I'm just gonna hit up Donald." Donald then recreates a picture of Derek taking a picture of the corner of the building and writes, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> didn't Matt needless to say Matt did not hook up because I think he just gave up at that point um it had been a long the, day at that point give me a break yeah uh no we we had a we had a really good time um and just, well, you, you did that sounds like Matt didn't but you guys did anyway <laughs> oh man we gave him so much shit that night um but uh the next day we woke up and uh we went to some little diner. Derek tried Scrapple for the first time. Basically, if uh, you don't know what Scrapple is, it's uh, I'd say it's like a grade below hot dogs. How dare you? It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm saying as far as like the, they just come right out and be like, Scrapple is the scraps of the pig. Where hot dogs is like, I mean, hot dogs is lips and assholes. Uh, they just don't call it by what it is so scrapple is exactly what it sounds like scrapple scrapple bits and parts of pigs made into a loaf and they cut it I let it solidify it they chop it and they pan sear it yeah and it was delicious i didn't i, I didn't go for it of course you didn't no because i knew what it was it, it was good man that whole breakfast was good i forget what else went along with the scrapple oh it was uh runny eggs and uh a biscuit and some home fries, and get down get down on that breakfast on a regular basis. <laughs> um, so Sunday uh, Sunday became a um, Sunday was a no gi day. Yeah, uh, which is my first introduction to no gi. <laughs> I've never done it before. Elliot has never done it before. Um, and uh, it was definitely define what that means. Yeah, you're not all naked. Yeah, no, no one, gi- no, no gi- one thought that, Ron. Yeah, Jesus Christ. We're no one's naked. We're all um, shorts and t-shirt. N- nah, man, you ruined my joke. I was gonna say everybody's just wearing a cup. <laughs> See what are the, what are the- See? <laughs> other people thought? Maybe that could be misunderstood. Oh, what what, what are those people? Oh, jockstrap. <laughs> just rolling around in jockstraps. Do, people, do that, people even wear jockstraps anymore? That doesn't happen. I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. I thought you kept an information. <laughs> Damn yeah. it. Uh, so <laughs> Nogi no was uh, Nogi's shorts, and uh, I think a lot of people have gone to like compression tops. Not a lot. Not really. Everybody goes t-shirts because you just you want to have like a 
I think like kind of a slick surface and just move around. We don't want people's feet and hands to get caught in a t-shirt. So you wear a tighter fitting shirt. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, a lot of the guys had like had, had to take off the night before, uh, they were teaching the day before, but, uh, master Renato Tavares. Renato. Come on. It's Brazilian. I know. uh, In Brazil. So that's the one thing like that people that don't know about jujitsu or Brazilian and Portuguese is that, uh, in the Portuguese language, R's are pronounced like H's. So it's not Renzo Gracie. Unless, unless they're not at the beginning. So it's not ho he han It's ho They'll say the R in the middle. Well, that's not necessarily true either because it's Baja and not Bara. I agree. So. Yeah, it's, it's a bunch of rules, right? Right. It's like the English language. It's a little fucked up. So, you, so, you're, so basically, in other words, like Royce Gracie and Hoist Gracie are the same people. Royce and Hoist, yes. And Renzo and Henzo. But then like, so like, I he, but like, uh, like Hodger Gracie lives in England and all of his students call him Roger still. But, but he's not, he's like a sort of a, in, in inherited Gracie, right? Well, his mom is a Gracie and his dad is a Gomez and he just took on. So I the other thing too is like in the, I don't know. I think if, I don't know if it's Portuguese or just in the Brazilian culture, because I'm not actually not that familiar with the Portuguese culture. I'm more familiar with the Brazilian culture. But I know in the Brazilian culture that it's not uncommon for women to keep their maiden name when they get married and not change their last name. Um, so, yeah, like there's actually a lot of Gracies out there like that, that their moms are Gracies and they're they but they still take on the Gracie last name. Like I know Daniel Gracie is like that. I think his last name is Samoys. Clark. Clark. Yeah. His dad is. But yeah, but his mom's a Gracie. Um, and then probably the most famous one is Hodger, who was probably the best jujitsu practitioner in the world for a long time. Um, yeah, his dad is Mauricio Gomes, who's no joke either. His dad's a it's a it's a red and black belt, but yeah, his mom's a Gracie and he took on the Gracie name. So but we went on a tangent there. But no, no, in, I, in Brazilian culture, uh R's or H's in the R's or H's. So it's Hanato. Hanato Tavares. Hanato Tavares. Yeah. Who is a, was he four or five? Fifth. fifth? I think he's a fifth degree black belt under, um, I know he's from ATT. So I don't know who he got his black belt from, but um, eight, I mean, we can go on this big tangent of like the history of jujitsu, but ATT is American top team and they're probably one of the best MMA gyms in the world right now, but they broke off from or kind of, yeah, Ricardo Laborio, who's fucking in, insane. He's like a, he's a legend right up there with Hickson. Um, but they he started that with or like um, they were affiliated with Brazilian Top Team, who was uh, an offshoot of the Carlson Gracie team. So there's a lot. Of, so that's the cool thing about jujitsu is it's so new that you can kind of trace the lineage back, and there's a lot of cool stories that are still the people that were involved in those stories are still around to talk about it. And I mean, the legendary and, and then the, the folklore and stuff isn't kind of lost yet. And there were actually people there when it was all happening, which is really cool. Um, and that's kind of Hanato is like that too. Like just an old school black belt. He, um, you know, he taught some techniques that are very, uh, very there, they were advanced 
and really quality techniques, but very geared old school style. You know what I mean? They're very um, kind of simple and to the point. You know what I mean? There was no, not a lot of flash to them, but they were like kind of simple to the point, very effective, you know, like you do this and then you do this and then you do this. You know what I mean? There was like no, no, and that's the other cool thing about kind of that old school style. There's not a lot of variation to mess up. You know what I mean? It's very like you can do it under stress and be very successful. And there's not a lot of room for the guy's reaction to vary. You know what I mean? Like you kind of, there's only one thing the guy can do once you get here. And then you're going to capitalize on that. And that's kind of how that old school jiu-jitsu happens. And it's just to win a fight. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. No, he was, uh, he was. Well, and then the other thing you have to mention is he's an older guy. I think he's almost 50. Yeah. Or maybe a little older. Like, but moved like a cat. You know what I mean? There was no, there's no, and he's got some miles on him. You know what I mean? He moved like a 20 year old wrestler. Right. He moves very, very well for, I mean, even better than me being 31. You know what I mean? Like he was, I was, that was the most impressive thing. You know what I mean? Like moved very, very well. And that was the other thing we can talk about a little bit. I thought was funny was like, so Dave Jacobs, we talked about him with the kind of the beginning of this is, um, you know, in his fifties, older guy and you see him walk in and he's like, Kind of the way he walks, you're like, and he's kind of moving fast because he was a little late and he had his backpack on and whatever. And you're like, he's kind of got a little bit of a, like a limp in his in his jog or whatever. Yeah. And then for the weird thing is he puts his gi on and he's doing all these things where you're like, by the way you walked in, I wouldn't think that you'd be able to do it. You know what I mean? It's a weird, like, I talk about this all the time. Like, if you ask me to bend down and get down on one knee right now without a gi on, I'd, I'd moan and groan to get there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then when it was time to roll, it's up and down as fast as possible. And even, it's weird. Like, it's almost like that, that, that the mat gives you superpowers. You know what I mean? You kind of, it, it, it makes you ageless. You know what I mean? It's, it's a weird thing. And then as soon as you step off the mat, you're like, oh, oh, I'm so sore from today's training. But while you were training, you weren't thinking about how sore you were or, you know what I mean, it's almost like a fountain of youth on the mat. You know what I mean? Then it catches up to you when you walk off. It's it's funny you say that because yesterday, like when when we were training, like on the mat, I'm like I'm rolling around, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Right. I'm like I'm taking knee on belly left and right. I'm like oh, I got this. Like I go to the locker room, change up. I walk out of the locker room like I'm 80. Right. <laughs> I'm just like limping around. You know, I I, I dislike knee on belly. I don't think anybody that actually really likes it. I love Neon Belly. My ribs killing me today. <laughs> you should specify whether you're demonstrating the technique or if you're receiving the technique. <laughs> I'm receiving the technique. Okay. So, so maybe you guys are talking about two different techniques. One of them is demonstrating it, and the other one will be receiving it. I've never... No, that's not true. So I, that was one of the things when I rolled with Jared. Give your guys something. No. Give all the guys who looked, like, looked at you like this something. Go on. Give him some. So I roll a Jared on Friday night. Good. And experienced the Everybody neon belly. <laughs> well, he crushed me. He, he Good. Jared, Jared crushed me. And I, I'll do you, like. Do you have video of that? No. Damn it. Oh. Did no one take video of Derek actually taking neon belly? Right. He, he gave him the neon belly, and all I could think of was like, oh, this is what this feels like. Everyone else. Everyone else. Boy, that would have been a great fucking Instagram video. No, it, oh. it was. But that being said, as much as Jared 
completely trash me and crush me. It was a really fun role. Like that, it was awesome. I like, it was so awesome. But he neon bellied me, and I was like, oh, this is what it this, feels this like. This is what it feels like. No this wonder they keep talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they keep giving me nicknames. Yeah, it, it was uh, it, yesterday. Was I mean, I think Thursday night, uh, Matt. Uh, uh, Matt gave like gave me my first introduction to neon belly. I, I was like, I was like, oh, I've never experienced before. Uh, yeah, that's what it feels like. So yesterday you were teaching it, and uh, I had to sit through like multiple sessions of like like oh, it's not so much here, but right here. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like you're like okay, not so bad, awful, right? And right. and and uh, it. It really is. And I mean, for people that but I, don't I think that that's jujitsu in, in a nutshell too, is like, it's little adjustments. You know what I mean? It's, it's like that. We talked about invisible jujitsu. Yeah. Like that's the invisible part of it is like just switching the angle of that neon belly a little bit can make it go from bad to really bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's the beauty of jujitsu is like, you can always find no matter what techniques you're working on, you can always find those little things to make them that much better. Yeah. No, if for for people that are kind of listening, they're not really sure what exactly everything is. Um, picture somebody taking their knee, putting into a uh, technical term here, xiphoid process. So basically the bottom of your rib cage right before it gets into the soft spot of uh, your stomach area. So you're getting in, into that into that rib cage and you're putting all that all your pressure and your body weight like into that kneecap driving into those ribs and then you're pulling up on the person basically two, be, two way action pull be, and pull and push pull and push so, <laughs> so you're reach, reaching almost like you're cupping somebody's head but you're actually grabbing their gi pulling up on that gi and then pulling up on their their uh their shoulder so you're and their knee. you're was that and their leg and knee too you're totally uh beetling yeah, I mean, you you are literally just like you're pulling their shoulders forward and you're driving your knee into their spine via their rib cage. I don't, I don't, I don't lift the leg. Oh, you don't do that. No, I do no. C- collar and arm. Okay, arm, whatever. And, 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 it's not just the collar. And and knee into the sternum. So anyway, everybody should start jujitsu. Right. Yeah. So. So he. So if you go. So have you watched Jujitsu versus the World yet? No, I haven't. You need to watch it. I don't have the internets. Okay, let's not talk anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, Henzo Gracie says this thing in in Jiu-Jitsu vs. the World where he's like, he asks his dad, Hey! (laughs) Jesus Christ. Amateur hour over here. Am I a noob? (laughs) For 15 episodes in, man. Should be an expert at this point. (laughs) anyway uh hanzo gracie says this thing where he's like he asked his dad he's like why do i have to learn jujitsu and he's like well he's like if someone tries to bully you and you don't want to be bullied you want to know this stuff so you can stop them he's like or if you want to bully somebody and you want to be able to bully them well you need to learn this stuff and he's like it's up to you to decide what you want to use it for but it's good to know that's why you should start jujitsu because someone's going to know this stuff and you either want to be able to use it against them or use it to defend yourself. Yeah. It, it, 
for people that just they're they're kind of like curious about it like it really there's a beauty and there's an art to it and it's so much fun but um even a quote jared uh from last weekend um he was saying that he's like you know all of us have like a little bit all of us that do and practice bjj and really stick with it like we all have a few demons (laughs) and and there there is there is a little bit of uh there's definitely some uncomfortable portions of it, very uncomfortable portions of it. But uh, like I said, like there's this huge bonding aspect that you, I mean, like all jokes aside, all pain aside, all uncomfortable situations and whatever and aches and groans and pains. There's a huge beauty in it where like you're bonding with people that just like, like you don't even have to talk anymore. You're not talking. You're just going at it. And, and it's like, it's like this martial art that, you come out different on the other side and you're friends with that person on the other side. Well, well that was one of the um, things we should talk about is along with um, all the instructors that taught at the seminar and, and, and said things and, and kind of re- reiterated things. Um, There's actually quite a few vet- veterans there and they came up and said some things. And um, one of the guys there, um, he came up and said some things and he said, you know, jujitsu is, one of those things, and I kind of go through this too because I have some friends that are veterans and de- and have some PTS, and it's like well, if you have never experienced war and never experienced the the things that these people went through, it can often and I and I fall into this. It's kind of hard to talk to them sometimes because you don't want to say something that is out of place and not your your place to comment on. And it's not really, you know, and you can't relate to it at all. You know, I've never been in that situation, never been in war, never been shot at, never had someone try to take my life, you know, and never been, you know, in any of that situation. But you still want to be sensitive and helpful to this person because they're your friend, you know what I mean? And that's the beauty, and this guy comment or not, that's kind of the beauty of jujitsu is you don't need to say anything. You know what I mean? You go and you, and you treat them well and and you train hard with them and you share it's almost like you're having you're being supportive through a different avenue you're 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 trading techniques and you're helping them out with their jujitsu and in turn that helps them with their daily life so you don't need to you know relate to these people on that plane you can relate to them in the jujitsu aspect of it and that's one thing and he said that something to the effect of you know people who suffer together grow strong bonds, you know what I mean? And and that's when we listened to that John Danaher interview on the way down there, and it's like, jujitsu is all of the pros of combat and none of the negatives. So you're suffering along with some other people, you know what I mean? You're, you're hard training, hard rules, you know, you're in an academy where it's 90 degrees out and 100% humidity, and you're sweating and you feel like you're going to pass out and these guys are beating you up and you're beating them up and you're suffering together and that's what grows that bond, you know what I mean? So um, I feel like for, you know, um, it's a great, if you don't have, you know what I mean, if you're looking for a community to join, a really healthy community to join and, and people that will, like I said, when the check comes, throw in way more than they need, you know what I mean, you know, way more than you need. Jiu-Jitsu is a great community for that. You know what I mean? I mean, and that was kind of the whole emphasis of this weekend with the Mission 22 was coming together for and to help other people and 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 be productive with this thing that we do all the time. 
Yeah, uh, and and there's been, uh, I mean, it was it was there was a lot of emotional uh, points in 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 the entire weekend where vets were coming up and they were talking about some of their experiences and and um, and uh, they basically said that, like jujitsu saved their life, right? Um, and I mean to to go back to uh, when we had George on the podcast and he was talking about it he, and and he. One thing that struck me out of that podcast was he was basically saying, he was like, I need you here. Right. Like, I need you. Like, I can't do this by myself. Right. You can't, I mean, you can go and do CrossFit by yourself. You can go and do lift weights by yourself. You can do shit. You can play racquetball by yourself. Right. <laughs> but you can't do jujitsu by yourself. Right. And you need that bond. You need somebody alongside with you. And um, and it's hugely important. Right. And, and, and that's what, I think that's what kind of, uh, goes with a mission 22 is like we're bringing awareness and we're trying to involve um it, it's involving like uh, uh the community to like go out and like really give a shit right um and and it was for a really really cool cause um and i didn't realize that it was such a big part of the jujitsu community was 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 in mission 22 and, and i mean they've, they've been doing these thing these seminars all over america all right so it's it was a great time yeah um but for for good reason right so yeah i mean <clears throat> like i said i'm i'm really honored that i even got the chance to do it you know what i mean that, that jared would even think to ask me um and I, like I said, I felt kind of out of place up there with all those guys that were, they were true jujitsu legends. Um, and you know, um, it was an epic weekend all the way around between hanging out with all you guys from the Academy and getting to teach that stuff and getting inspired by just the city of Philadelphia in general. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really glad it happened and I'm glad that we did it and hopefully we get to do stuff like that more often. Yeah. This comes into the, the whole, like, Growing as uh, growing on this podcast, right? Uh, and, and we like we're looking for uh, just to bring up. We're still looking for for good sponsors that like kind of bring bring us in because we want to like get out there and we want to talk to more people. And we want to get outside New England more often, right? And make time to like go talk to this person, that person. I can't wait to go back to Philly and have act, actually. The weekend was was kind of a, a blur, but I I can't wait to go back to Philly and try to get Jared. And Pete on the podcast. Well, another the other cool thing about like our relationship, like you know, um, both those guys, and and that was like, I think the reason that that one of the like Port City BJJ and BJJ United are a lot alike with their culture. You know what I mean? Like, um, it seems to be uh, small enough where everyone in the academy is a good guy. Like, I didn't meet anybody at BJJ United that I didn't get an awesome vibe from. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how it is when you walk into our academy, too. Um, But the other thing, cool thing is, like, I have a, I mean, I've become really good friends with Jared, you know what I mean? And I've become really good friends with Pete. And uh, I think that relationship is going to continue to flourish or whatever. And they're going to, like, Pete's already talking about scheduling a trip to come up here. And we're going to get Jared to come back up and do another seminar and stuff like that. So it's not the last time. Obviously, we're going to connect with those guys. And, and I'm sure it's going to happen a ton. So, um, you know, and, and I'm excited for you and, and Elliot, you know, um, in a short amount of time. I think that was awesome that you guys went down there and kind of got that, that 
quick injection of jujitsu, you know what I mean? And, and kind of mainlined it. And, yeah. and now you've like, it was just enough taste to, you know, re-inspire you and, 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 and kind of charge your batteries on yeah. jujitsu, which is really cool. I'm I, like, I'm inspired just on the pure fact that, that I was just sitting on the mat, Elliot and I were just kind of sitting on the mat, mat doing a little bit of stretching, uh, before the seminar, seminar started. And there were guys that we didn't even know. They walk in, they put on their gi, and they come over and like slap. What do you call it? Slap and bump. <laughs> yeah, it was like awkward shaka is what we call it. Awkward shaka. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so it was just like guys like come Sla- up, slap hands and fist bump, man. Slap hands and fist bump. They come up, say hi, and then like and then like say hi to everybody. Everybody is like, and this happens at Port City BJJ all the time too. Where it's like come in and like like hi, like how you doing? And this is. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, like this is really, truly eye-opening to me and how much of a community it really is. I mean, it, 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 at Everpoon, we do we talk about a community. We are a community, but there's, there's so much tighter of an environment when you're doing these things. Well, I and think everybody, it, everybody comes up and slaps and bumps with the new guy because what they're saying is, Hey, cool. This is about the least I can do before I absolutely thrash you. <laughs> so like, you're all like, hey, cool. This guy's going to say hi. The ice is trying to do the least he can possibly do. You know? Well, I think it's also is, is, is uh, we talked about um, on the way down there was uh, the white belt. The white is the bravest color. Yeah. It is the, it's the bravest color because you don't know anything and you're going in there and you, there's... You're really just conceding the fact that for the next hour and a half, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you until you learn enough that you're not going to get the shit kicked out of you. And then you're not going to be a white belt anymore. You know what I mean? So like (laughs) I heard this quote once. It was like when I see someone, when a lot of people see someone doing something new, they see awkwardness. When I see someone doing something new, I think that guy's got balls. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what it is, is like those people that are coming in, especially as a, I mean, I think there's, different reasons that you shake someone's hand in jujitsu. You know what I mean? When you're like, when two black belts shake hand, that's a sign of respect. Like, Oh, you've made it this far. So I have an eye, whatever. But when an upper belt shakes, especially a white belt's hands, it's saying, thank you for being brave enough to walk through those doors. You know what I mean? That's what it's, it's, it's acknowledging the fact that you were brave enough to even walk through those doors. This is a conversation I've had a lot lately and been thinking about a lot is, that's kind of the beauty of jujitsu is everyone starts at zero. You know what I mean? And then no matter what kind of past you've had and where you come from, whatever, when you walk through those doors, everyone started at zero. And when you get belts, you know what I mean? You're clearly not at zero anymore. But there's obviously some work to be done to get there. It's not like you were handed anything. You know what I mean? So, like, that's kind of the, the, the beauty of it, I think, because that's why everyone gets a handshake and a fist bump and, and everyone's so friendly is because you're acknowledging that fact. You're acknowledging the fact that you were brave enough to even start. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's I think, another reason why it's such a, it's a welcoming community and it's such a tight-knit community is because, you know, I forget what the, the, the percentage is or whatever, but, like, at every belt, the percentage of people that get that belt gets smaller and smaller. You know what I mean? And not that many people even start. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. I don't know if it's illusions of grandeur, but I definitely want to make black one day. No, it's funny when you said that when you were like, um, when you were like talking about like you you can't wait 
to have that conversation with Pete. And this is a conversation is, is literal and metaphorical. You know what I mean? You want to be able to be like, have, you know, a conversation with someone about jujitsu and like have stuff to contribute to the conversation. But rolling with someone is, is quite literally like, or it's a metaphorical conversation. You know, you give some, they give some, you give some, they give some, you know, you have to listen to what they're giving you and then react to it. And then you bring up something and then they react to it. So it's, it's rolling is, I mean, I think that, Henzo, I mean, keep bringing this guy up because he's a legend, but that's kind of how he describes the belts too. Is like a white belt, you're learning, you know, how to read and write. And then blue belt, you're forming sentences. Purple belt, paragraph. Brown belt, page structure and all that stuff. At black belt, you switch to poetry. <laughs> you know what I mean? So but that's, but it's a perfect metaphor because that's what it is. Like, like I said, you need two people to have a conversation. You yeah. need two people to do jujitsu. But I can remember when I was a white belt, same thing. And I, I, I said it to Jim one time and he gave me a funny look because it came out wrong. But I was like, oh, I'm so sick of being a white belt. And it wasn't because I wanted a blue belt. It's because I wanted to be good enough to be a blue belt. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be better. It's not, I, didn't, I didn't want someone to be like, oh, here, I'm, I'm sick of this white belt. I'm sick of like the way it looks or whatever. It's I want to be good enough to be a blue belt. And that's kind of was my whole goal in jujitsu was I don't want to get a black belt. I want to be a black belt. And I think that's kind of lost on a lot of people. It's like you want to be good enough to be a black belt. And there yeah. are plenty of guys out there that are good enough to be black belts that don't have black belts around their waist. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I honestly like, especially after the, the, uh, story i think we talked about it like really briefly uh about the uh the black belt and the white belt on or the black belt on a, on a bus oh yeah um but uh i want to be a white belt for a very long time i actually like i i want to be a white belt for a very long time because i soak in so much being a white belt and like people are it, it, it's it's like they can see you stalling and be like I'm not like this, this guy's not so sure about what he's doing let me guide him a little bit and like and that's what's really really awesome that I found with everybody that I've rolled with is like they're helpful you're in like your headlock whatever like you're getting choked out but you're still like being taught things as a white belt like that and and everybody's like really really helpful I don't I don't I guess I'm going with this is like it was like I just want to forever learn well, here, here's the two things that I kind of have to go along with that. One is, A, you don't get to fucking choose when you get your belt. You know what I mean? That's, oh, no. <laughs> but that's, but that's, the, that's the thing is like, it's, it's, that's I think another reason why jujitsu is so great is some, like, someone who you're entrusting in your training gets to decide when you progress. So it kind of takes you, it makes you the humble in that way too. But we talk about this all the time too. And with jujitsu is at white belt, no one's expecting you to know enough to be accountable. But once you get to be a blue belt, they expect a, a little more, but you're still not expecting that much. But once you start to get to purple and brown and especially black, you're expected to be held accountable for your training. So instead of someone telling you, you need to ask. You know what I mean? And that's the the thing about, and that kind of we touched upon about with jujitsu about this, this weekend was black belts were still coming up to me and I was coming up to them asking about techniques and i think that the, i mean it's a very humbling thing to do it's a very humbling thing to ask and it's a very humbling thing to have someone ask you but that's the beauty of jujitsu is 
even as black belts and as brown belts and as purple belts, there's a ton of stuff out there that you've never seen before. And if you want to get better, you need to be take it upon yourself to go out there and ask those people and kind of swallow your pride and have no ego and things like that. So no matter if you're a white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, black belt, you can always learn something. And the learning never stops. That's the, yeah. that's what's awesome about jujitsu. I joke all the time. I dedicated my life to something that never ends. Yeah. I mean, that's reflective of life, too. Right. I mean, you should never stop learning. And that's jujitsu. It's a, it's, a, it's a microcosm for life. <laughs> uh, well, apparently, well, just so everybody knows, there might be a podcast out there of, uh, of us in the car talking about, <laughs> <laughs> talking about stuff. What? Really? It could, could be coming out at some point. Um, that'll, that'll give you kind of a kind of view into some of the, some of the mayhem that was happening on the way down. <laughs> and there's also a video of us coming on the way back. We're kind um, of delirious. Yeah, we were, we were getting we were getting pretty tired, um, especially hitting traffic on the Merritt Parkway. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was such an awesome, awesome trip. Yeah, it was yeah. probably one of the better, ju- or one of the best jiu-jitsu trips I've taken in my jiu-jitsu career, for sure. I can't wait to do it again. We will soon. What city's next? I don't know. And there's a uh, uh, open mat for charity in New York City at Clockwork Jiu-Jitsu in May. I think it's like the 15th or something like that. Huh? Mike, I've never, I totally want to go there. I have not been there. To Clockwork? Yeah, I'd love to yeah, go to Josh, Josh, I don't, I don't know Josh Griffiths very well, but he's kind of, um, he and Jared and Kenny... And Mike Pellegrino and all those guys, kind of, they were on the competition scene together. So he's kind of included in that group. He's like the one last guy I haven't really came in contact with. So I definitely want, and I know some guys that train there. Um, so I'd like to get down to clockwork, whatever. Um, sometime, it may be that day, it may not be. But, um, I mean, there's always opportunities. There's a ton of jujitsu in New York with a lot of connections. I mean, we go to Henzo's and things like that too. But clockwork is kind of a smaller academy it's not so big i don't think you people would get so overwhelmed and there's open mats for charity and i think jared and those guys are going to be there so i might try to hit that up next month but we'll do it again soon for sure i mean we can take a trip to boston you know what i mean and train at roberto's yeah anytime too awesome well thank you for listening to uh sharp iron society 15 yeah see ya